OTB Sports Rugby. Don't just take it easy, keep the emotion in check. That's not what sport is about. It's about emotion. It's about singing your national anthem with pride. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Zebo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Jeffrey gets over the line. Try from Monster. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 59 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is Neve Briggs, my partner in crime. How was your weekend, Neve? Good, Quinny. Good, Stewart's. Oh, good, yeah. Liverpool had a couple of good results so, last week, so they've cheered me up a little bit. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, West, West Ham couldn't do me a favour against Spurs. <laughs> anyway, false hope um, for the top four for Liverpool. They'll probably be back to their usual stuff uh, this week. And uh, Anyway, had you rugby on? Uh, it did. We had a, to be fair, we had a second game this weekend. We had no AI yet, which was great. So we have to concentrate fully on that. I tell you, if anybody is ever around Limerick and Bowles are playing Skib, they should come up because it was an unbelievably cracking game for both teams. Skib, that West Cork Mafia, we speak about it with the men all the time. They've just got a huge amount of potential. So really there's young. West Cork Mafia women as well, is there? I tell you what, give it another couple of years, really, they're doing a huge amount of work down there. So um, it was a cracking game. Yeah, great weekend for, for the girls. So... And then obviously the Celtic Cup team were were in in action up in Belfast had a really good win over the Welsh side. So um, yeah, look, it was it was quite enough weekend, but um, those that were playing did really really well. Have you to watch all those girls now with a view to Ireland selection and stuff like that in Year Six Nations, which will be coming up soon? Yeah, hugely. So I spent the weekend watching. Uh, so the under eighteen into pros happened last week during the midterm. So they played Sunday and Thursday. So I spent the weekend watching. Those games back again, some unbelievable talent coming through. And then obviously the Celtic Cup is really important for us in terms of, um, you know, the next few weeks. We go, we come into camp on the 4th of March and um, it's, you know, it, it, this block has been huge for the, so a lot of girls that are making that jump from Interpro into the next level and understanding what high performance is, but also for, for the girls that have been there before. It's been great. So, uh, yeah, just trying to get a good eye into what I can get my teeth stuck into. Okay, we'll get on to the, the Munster game at the weekend. They beat the Ospreys 58-3. Um, they went 3-0 down and scored 58 unanswered points, nine tries. Um, we'll get more de- into into the detail of it a minute in a minute, but um, when you look at the table now, Munster are up to fifth on 42 points. Um, it wasn't long ago we were chatting and Munster were 14th in the table. So... Do we have to pinch ourselves uh, or is this a reflection of the way they've been playing and the work they've done since probably that game in November down against South Africa? That's probably been the start. I think it's 12 games, is it? Uh, yeah, 12 or 13 I, games and they've they've only lost three, two to Toulouse in Europe and one to Leinster. So it's been a very good run. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's a reflection of um, loads of little facets and cogs in the wheel. So I think... <clears throat> They're understanding their 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 attacking shape more. They're understanding the ability to play and to 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 literally, if it's a half break, there's going to be somebody on your shoulder. It's a lot of the time, those offloads they're not even looking; they're just popping the ball into space, and there's always somebody there. I think that trust is massive. I think their fitness is incredible. I think it's going to another level. I think there's more in them. Um, but you you spoke about it there, off, you know, before we came on, and and we 
both been at, at live matches over the last number of weeks and their work rate off the ball is is incredible. They speak a lot, uh, you know, having been down and watched training a lot, Freddie and, uh, and Dennis Neamey, they speak a lot about their work rate off the ball. They speak a lot about animation off the ball um, and it's it's huge and it, it literally confuses defences from an attack point of view but also from a defensive point of view the, the outside man, which would you more often be the winger, is really animated. If anybody goes to watch any of their live matches, have a look at their defensive shape, how how animated the outside man is. So he's constantly speaking, constantly talking, constantly ushering people in and pulling them with him. And um, and that unsettles the you know, opposition attack. So I thought, just thought it all around. I think it's been a really good reflection of the work that they've been putting in on and off the pitch. Okay, it's 12 matches. Just before we get on to the fans' view, um, I'm going to take us back a little bit here to uh, that game on the 10th of November in in Cork against South Africa. That was on the back of a disappointing loss. There was a break, obviously, for for, um, for, did a week off and then the November internationals were obviously on uh, to beat South Africa 28-14. Then beat Connacht 24-17, went away to Edinburgh, won 38-17, lost to Toulouse in Europe, 18-13 at home, beat Northampton 17-6 away in Europe, lost to Leinster 2019, small margins in that, I think they they could have won that, but they lost the game to a very good Leinster side. Um, Very good win in Ulster which was, um, I think was a really impressive result. The Edinburgh away result and the Ulster away result, very impressive. Uh, then they beat the Lions 33-3 in Cork. Um, then beat Northampton 27-23, which was a bit nervy in the second half. Lost in Toulouse, but a very good performance, 2016. Um, good win in, in Benetton in, uh, at the end of January, 40 points to 30. Uh, defensive issues in that game which cropped up when we spoke about that and then their 12th game since that, that South Africa game was 58-3 so it's been a very Pretty. positive run Do you know the losses there? They're all within a score Yeah and I think it's probably the way they played That's huge but Particularly it's all, they're the, all within a score Yeah definitely very valid point and obviously the way they played over in Toulouse uh, they gave Toulouse a real scare in that that European game there a few weeks ago. So, um, big turnaround uh, from the start, which was really disappointing. They, round one, lost to Cardiff away. Round two, lost to Dragons away. Uh, beat Zebra 21-5, but it was a very underwhelming performance. No bonus points. Lost to Connacht. Uh, beat the Bulls and lost to Leinster and Ulster then again. So compared to the start, the point I'm making here is um, the evidence, it's evidence-based there where they've gone in the table and they've moved right up that table and it's very impressive. So what are the fans saying? We, I put a tweet out yesterday just to see what the reaction was and uh, not surprisingly, it's it's pretty positive. Yeah, look, before we jump onto that, I just want to, an email came in from uh, uh, Paul Dempsey from Waterpark. He said, we had a group of Waterpark kids at the Ospreys match, they had a great time and seen some lovely tries. Ospreys were very poor. I knew that they would have a weakened team, but didn't expect that sort of scoreline. It was worrying that Joey missed some straightforward conversions. He seems to be struggling at the moment to put together a complete performance, but hopefully everything will turn around for him. Overall, another good win for Munster and it builds momentum. 
thanks to Quinny for getting a picture with the lads. Quinny, I have to say it's it's a it's a little, it's a class little photo. They he was we started up our first uh, ever under tens girls team and the overall girls game is growing, which is great. We'd love for you to come down to the club at some time point and you two Quinny. The U two was Quinny was very much laboured. But he's a Leinster man with a son playing in Munster who was born in Brist- Bristol, so he's a collection of jerseys and three teams to support. Kind regards, Paul Dempsey. I have to say, right, the picture is class. You're standing there, I like unbelievable with like a load of little kids around you. And my big question in relation to this is do you think they actually know who you are? Not a clue. Not, not a clue, a clue who not they a are. Clue. They were probably for, forced <laughs> into the photo by um, uh, their dad and, and other dads that were there. But it was uh, nice to great. be there. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I was. I wasn't working. Uh, so I brought my my own son to the match, and a couple of friends, his friends from Tipperary, and uh, pal of mine as well. So we had. Um, yeah, it was nice to go to a game and enjoy it. And the thing for me before you get into the tweets, and I, I kind of came away from the stadium thinking, not not. I want to be, we, we need to be respectful to what's happening with the Ospreys. And I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about that and what's happening in Welsh rugby. Um, a lot of the tweets and stuff were saying they're poor and, but it's a very tough situation for them. But on, from a monster point of view, I was very, very impressed with the work rate off the ball and the shape and, and all that stuff. So that, that's what kind of jumped out to me. Go ahead with uh, the reaction online and what the fans are saying. Yeah, so uh, Sarah Curtin, brilliant performances from Frisch, Salanoa and Coombs. Frisch really shone and great to see Fekatoa score. John Tui, uh, momentum is a great thing to have. Ospreys were very poor. We did a lot right. Top four possible, but we'll have to win all home and one away match. Connick will have to beat Glasgow the last week. The last week. We are layering detail in attack and defence every week. A major upgrade all around. Dave Parks, Ospreys were poor, but Munster were excellent. Yellow cards aside, which were harsh in my opinion, everything Dady did was class. He is great as a second playmaker. I love the speed and work rate of players changing the direction of attack. Hodnett, Frisch and Klein were outstanding again. Dahi says, nice to see Munster kick on in what could have been a flat second half and keep pressing. I think that's a really good point. Because they literally became ruthless, which wouldn't have been something that we would have associated. Think back to the, was it the Benetton game in Musgrave Park in the start of the season when they had 21 points basically before the half, then didn't really score. I don't think they scored in the second half. So um, that that's really, like that ruthlessness is something that we haven't really associated with Munster before or recently. Uh, Jonathan Bowen, the team are on a journey. It's about making progress this season. Once they're not the complete package, but they are getting there in heaps of bounds so far this season. Neem Sheehan, Ospreys were very poor, still a great result for Munster. You can see the improvement week on week. We seem to be getting real strength and depth. I believe based on current form, we could do well in South Africa. And Fitzgerald saw a skill set and game plan that couldn't have that couldn't have dreamed of a year ago. Centre partnership clicked. Pity we didn't get to see Fekatoa shine sooner. Hard to see a path to silverware this year, but hopefully on the right trajectory. Uh, Alan O'Flynn, it's been a while since I took notice of the Munster backs involved in general play as is case at present. Ball handling very slick and both forwards and backs look comfortable with a great work, confident there is more to come. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? We often, last kind of year or two, we've associated Munster and they're, they're probably, they're, their play, general play around the pitch in relation to probably box kick chases and um, one-out runners. 
we've not really seen a huge amount of you know the centres the, the back three players coming in like Sebo's ability to work off the wing the weekend Shane Daly's incredible yeah and um, that 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 whole detail has been so much better I think it's more, it's it's pleasing for people to watch as well because even though even if things break down a little bit, which we saw on that transitional kind of period from from November, that things were still breaking down a little bit in some games. Um, the shape, the work rate, the detail and the understanding is so much better. And um, I think that's the most impressive thing. The skill set has improved a lot. And, uh, you know, we've we've heard Mike Prendergast, Graham Rountree and Dennis Leamy probably talk about, you know, getting the players fitter, training in that kind of mode and shape. And um, and that's the reward they're getting now. They look like they're happy. Um, just, I think it was, it was really good and pleasing to watch. It wasn't. Yeah. I part of me felt really, um, part of me felt sad for Ospreys because obviously I think they were, and it wasn't as if Munster brought back a raft of internationals. They brought back um, Gavin Coombs and Roman Salano to play. Um, I don't think there was anyone released back to the Ospreys from the Welsh squad. Uh, but the problems in Welsh rugby at the moment have to have, be having an effect on these guys. There's so 70 players out of contract in Wales at the end of the season. The uncertainty, the frustration, the worry of all that stuff surely plays a part because we saw it with with um, probably the Dragons as well. And, and just it, there was an air of deflation about the Ospreys. They were trying hard. Their players were getting stuck in and trying hard. But... You know, so there was a combination of Munster playing really well and Ospreys probably underperforming, but also that psychological baggage was weighing them down a little bit. There's no doubt in my mind that that played a factor. So I kind of felt sorry for them. One of the tweeters is saying there about how ruthless were Munster were in the second half. Well, yes, that's that's it. That that stood out for me as well. They were ruthless. They didn't take their foot off the pedal and... Uh, they kept pushing on and on and that's all you can do is play what's in front of you but I really fell for Ospreys. <clears throat> some of the coaches or players I played against I know them well and I chatted to some of them before and after and um, you just sense that there's a lot of worry and uncertainty in Welsh rugby and it's sad. Um, it is sad. It, it's, it's really it difficult. Um, on the performance, you know, I usually do the positives and negatives uh, with Geneve. Uh, obviously there's loads of Loads of positives. What what kind of stood out for you? Uh, look, I think I think we've kind of touched on it already. I think it's their ability to move the ball, attack. It's to push that extra pass. It's the support of you know the support lines. It's the ability to to like lots of times they would hit a short pass and then expect the guy to go through contact and get his hands free and then receive back the offload. So it's like almost like a one-two in soccer, for example. I thought that they did that really, really well because what it does is it it, gener- it actually condenses the opposition defence and therefore if you can't get your hands through, well, you know, there's a huge amount of space on the edge. Whereas if they stay out on the edge, then you've got space through the middle, like for Fekito's try, I think it was. so, Or was it Frisch's try? Sorry, for Frisch's try. I just thought they support each other really well. I thought that their, their, their ability to, to find space and to push passes knowing that, okay, Ospreys were brilliant. But, like, to be fair to the Ospreys, they started really well. We spoke, you know, you said it already, they went 3-0 up. And I think it was the fact that they had a huge amount of possession. Munster's defence was really good. 
and they couldn't get them get a, get an, another score and then Munster go up and in the first you know phase of play in their 22 they get a penalty and it goes three all and then all of a sudden they just take off and I just think that that kind of shift in momentum really hurt the Ospreys but I just there was loads of really good positives but from an attack point of view I just thought it was their ability to support uh, those half breaks made a huge difference their speed of movement uh, is something that has impressed people at the moment um, and for any listeners that are non-Munster people, um, we're not getting carried away with this. I don't think anyone is. I don't think Munster will get carried away. But given what they did and the scoreline they produced, I think they deserve credit for that. The speed of movement stuff is, obviously, you want, you're they're playing with a lot more pace and we spoke about the fitness. But is, um, is part of that down to, you know, breakdown improvements and quality of you know, the, the players carrying the ball, that they're placing it really well, the onus on the ball carrier, and the clean-outs, the speed of Paddy Patterson getting the ball away. There's there's more to it than just running around like headless chickens. There's there's, It's organised and it's um, with intent as well, isn't it? Yeah, hugely. And I think that detail has been massive um, over the last, you know, period of weeks in relation to the momentum and the shift in terms of how they're playing. I think, you know, at the start, while they were trying to implement this game plan, I think players were missing parts of that detail, the understanding that, um, you know, when to rock, when not to, when they can barrel past and, and when the ball is just there to be moved. So I do think that's been huge. And I think they've, they've gone to a point now where they're able to break it. So they all understand exactly where they're supposed to be. Now they're able to break down the, the finer detail in relation to that ball carry, how they fall what happens when they fall and what happens to the next two people coming into support. And um, But I'd love to know a stat. I, I actually meant to try and find this out before we came on in relation to this. The, 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 if you don't know the rated the breakdown, so zero, three seconds, three, six and six plus. And I'd just love to know how often they they managed to get to zero, three because for, for all intents and purposes, for me, it was, you know, the Ospreys couldn't get near the monster ball. They found it really difficult to to try and slow that breakdown down, and and just it made life really really easy for Paddy Patterson. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the the percentage of the zero to three seconds would be very high. I think Ireland were in the sixties in the first two games, and you know their breakdown has been top class, uh, top notch for them. Um, on, on if you had those numbers, I think they'd be pretty high, definitely in the sixties yeah. at a zero to three. Um, not taking anything away from Munster, I have to be careful here because, you know, I'm talking about the baggage for uh, probably the Ospreys and the Dragons. Uh, Cardiff beat Benetton 30 points to three and the Scarlets beat Edinburgh 42-14. So it didn't affect them in the same way. But so it's not a, that's not a, that's not a get out of jail card for the Ospreys or the Dragons. I think both Munster and Leinster were very good. In, in what they did at the weekend. So um, just on the stats, I think Munster had scored nine tries and 11 clean breaks and 16 offloads, which is incredibly impressive because, um, and that probably tells the story of, of the way the game went. Um, that doesn't happen every week, but I think we've consistently had... Uh, a lot of offloads in 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 the last three months for Munster, and that's evidence based. And as you said, it's a product of what they're trying to do and their mentality and the way they're trying to attack. Uh, lots of clean breaks, 
Um, defenders beaten is very high again, 24 defenders beaten, which you would expect. Uh, but those numbers are consistently high, which is uh, the impressive part. So it isn't just, just one week saying that this is moving and changing. I think one of the tweeters, I think Jonathan Bone says, look, Munster still have a way to go and they're still short in some areas. And, and we both agree on that. And they've, they've, they're, they're climbing a bit of a mountain that they created at the start of the season. Their territory was 60%, uh, 13 missed tackles, any negatives. Um, even though that's a pretty low number, you probably know that as a coach. Four turnovers won. They'd probably prefer if they won a few more turnovers. But when you have most of the possession, um, the penalties conceded were only six, so they're very low. So the stats and the numbers are very impressive from from Munster. And overall, to score nine tries, um, it was a job well done. As I said, I couldn't help but feel a little bit for the Ospreys. And lots of people are saying that you know, they were poor. They were poor. Munster were very good. So um, I'm sure they won't get carried away. They've got to play the Scarlets at home next. And uh, they won't want the same situation happening. Um, and obviously, if you take your eye off the ball, you can get cut out. That's on Friday week, that game. We'll talk more about that, obviously, next week. Uh, let's move on. So positive week, a positive win for Munster. Um, good position in the table, up to fifth now, as I said. So the start of the week, I don't think there's any arguments here. Again, he's won it a few times. Um, unless you're picking someone else, we didn't talk about this, but um, we'd have to pick the number eight, Gavin Coombs, I think, for, for his performance. Not just the tries, I just think he had a huge amount of involvement. He looks like... Uh, someone who's full of confidence at the moment, um, enjoying his rugby, benefiting probably from um, a very consistent run and probably been in the Irish squad as well. Lots of people saying, well, he should be playing against Italy or he should be on the bench at least against Italy. Um, that's another debate, but he was the star of the week. I think Gavin Coombs was outstanding. There was lots of really good performances throughout the Munster team, but I think he was probably the standout player. Yeah, look, 100%. I thought, <clears throat> for me, we've been used to him getting over the try line so much. His power is incredible from five yards out. But it was his work rate for me. It was something that I had questions, especially in the first half of the season. Um, his ability to kind of go and go again. I felt like before he'd make a big tackle or a big turnover or a big carry and then we wouldn't see him for a few phases. I think his fitness has improved immeasurably. Um, I thought... Um, his ability to get up a support is so, so good. But it's that constant work rate. It's that constant, you know, getting back in game. It's that constant, uh, you know, hand up to carry. Um, and his his stats are off the charts. It's He's very CJ Sander-esque, but I think there's a little bit more to him in terms of he has that ability to pop the pass. He has that ability to be able to, um, you know, to probably see space a little bit more um, that sort of suspect to CJ I think CJ you know spent the life running over people as opposed to through small gaps and he was able to do that but I just think that Gavin Coombs has a little bit more footwork and, and also that ability to be that little bit of a playmaker so um, yeah look I thought he was incredible but we can't run away with ourselves when you're looking at the upper echelons of back rows in international rugby while he's playing really, really good for Munster, there is a gap to, to where Munster are and, you know, these top players, international rugby. He's on the right path. He's definitely going in the right direction. 
Uh, but we we definitely it needs to be more consistent. It needs to be every week, and and it has been. To be fair to him, over the last three or four weeks, five weeks, it's been very very consistent. But you know, it needs to be a season. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, and I think that then that's when you can you know shout for the faces of of of, of international honors. And I think some people are are probably um, <clears throat> frustrated and calling for him to be in the Irish squad. And there's merit in those claims. Um, but it's a very difficult back row to break into with Peter Omani, Caelan Doris and Josh van der Fleer at the moment. They're probably the starters as as they have been the first two rounds. Um, Jack Conan, as people are trying to pick holes a little bit in Jack Conan's game, but I still think he's a brilliant player. Um and he's still coming off the bench for Ireland with a real impact and he has that experience. It's There's a raft of good players there and on another day, Gavin Coombs will be starting for Ireland. There is no doubt in my mind and I've experienced this myself. When you go up into Irish squad and maybe you're you're behind a couple of other players and, uh, and that are starting and perceived to be ahead of you, um, you learn a lot. You see how it's done. Um, you understand. Uh, you get good feedback from the coaches. And I'm sure that's something that's happened with Gavin, that he's got more feedback about more involvements. Um, he's an incredible athlete, really skillful player. And I think, as you said, we've seen we've seen really good consistency. It's it's a game there that you could easily go back to last Friday night and drop the head a little bit and and you know have have a couple of big moments here and there and and kind of not be going at it all the time. But he was going at it all the time on, on Friday night, which is impressive. So um, he's still a young, relatively young player, um, and I still think he's a big future in the green jersey. And hundred percent. Um, but if you look at, and I think for me, if I was up, if I was Gavin Coombs, and I was watching what's what's required, what do you need, what's the standard? You just look at Caelan Doris, and it's taken him a couple of years to get to that level of so many big involvements with the ball, without it, tackles, carries, lineout wins. Um, it's gone to another level and he is world class. But look look at him. He could be playing in the back row with Gavin Coombs, uh, with uh, Caelan Doris um, soon or after the World Cup or even during the World Cup. So he deserves credit anyway. He started a week again, Gavin He's Coombs, not far off it, well yeah. But no, no, he's yeah, very close and he's getting he closer and closer all the time. Yeah. Um, we haven't done that. Are you watching Andy Farrell piece in a while? I'm just going to do a quick one now because of the relevance of... Um, Scott Penny being called into the Irish squad. Some people online have been saying, well, John Hodnett has been excellent for Munster in recent times and in Europe as well, not just in the URC. There is a difference when you step up. I want to go gentleish on this because Scott Penny is an excellent player and I think he's shown that. Because of the depth of the back rows in, in Leinster, he hasn't been starting big European games and and we haven't seen a lot of him. We've seen him play against Munster twice and be very, very good in, in, in both games. He's an excellent player. But there is a genuine kind of argument to say here, well, John Hodden has been playing very, very well and maybe he deserved a call-up. So um, the Andy, are you watching Andy Farrell pieces? You know, John Hodnett possibly <laughs> could have been called up you're splitting hairs and, and you, you it's very difficult to go against Andy Farrell and his decisions because 
He's got a lot, 99% of stuff right in the last couple of seasons and done a remarkable job. And it's not taking anything away from Scott Penny because he's a wonderful player as well. But based, the argument probably for the people online is John Hodden has been playing consistently, starting for Munster um, and hasn't been called up. So there's a bit of a debate in that one. We're not going to go too in-depth in it, but I think he's he's got to keep the head down. And I think, you know, John Hodnett has a real future in an Irish jersey as well if he keeps improving at the rate he has been. Yeah, hugely. Look, I can understand people's disappointment. Really, I can. I can also understand from a point of view of Andy Farrell and Scott Penny. I think, you know, I I do think had he... Had he not got that injury, you know, Scott Penny's been out for a while. Um, I think he would have been in that Irish squad all along because I think he was. At, this is at the time now that Josh van der Fleer, you know, there was question marks over him and his consistency and his ability to to be a ball carry, carrying seven, and um, and Penny was starding to push him in terms of starting. You were saying in the last couple of seasons, yeah, and I just think. Um, so I can see why you, you know what I mean why they're, they're 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 selecting Scott Penny in relation to that because I I do think that there's genuine. Um, oh, he, he's definitely highly rated. Yeah. but Josh Van der Fleer was world, world Player of the Year last year. He was outstanding. Oh, I he was know, probably in, but, in the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah, Scott um, Penny was certainly knocking on the door and kind of some of the people were taking a lot of a notice of. Yeah, and obviously, but I do think if you're John Hodden, you have to be thinking, okay. Like, where do I need to, like, how do I, like, is it a case that he needs to be, you know, more consistent, a bit like Gavin Coombs in terms of, you know, Leinster have won a huge amount of games on the bounce in the URC and in Europe. Um, and is it a case that a lot of these players, the Gavin Coombs, John Hodnitz, the Alex Nellens, are they a, a product of how Munster have played for the previous two or three years? And is it a case that, it's only this year we're getting to see them with ball in the hand, the ability to be able to pass, the ability to move a pace. I, I don't know. I'm just asking, is that a case that where these players are literally only showing what they're, that they can play in that Andy Farrell way? It's over a the very last good point. I think, I think they have more credit in the bank in the last couple of seasons. Probably Scott Penny has played uh, more games probably previously and been on the radar more. Someone is going to come back now with stats about minutes played and all that stuff, which we don't want to get into. But it's a relevant. It's not about point. minutes played; it's about minutes in how they played. No, I, I know that. So, I know yeah, that. yeah. I understand. I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm saying it's it's probably yeah. We're seeing monster a different monster in the last three, four, five months, and and John Hodnett has, has stood out there. Whereas probably for the last two or three seasons, we've seen, you know. We've seen a lot more of Scott Penny, not necessarily in Europe, but we've seen what he can do and his ability. And there's no doubt he's a, he's a top top player. But I it's 100% for John, John Hodges. Oh, completely. I definitely do think though that as this World Cup comes and goes, uh, September October, like if John Hodnett's not in the next Irish squad post World Cup, because let's be very realistic about this, that World Cup squad, maybe bar one or two, are already selected because of how they played over the last two seasons. So you won't have huge amount of bolters. If it's a case, so if John Hollett's not in the next worth that that next, albeit continuing the same form, staying injury free, he is the most like Sean O'Brien 
player that we've had since Sean O'Brien, I think, in terms of that huge, powerful robustness and massive physicality to run over people and and that explosive power. If John Hodden's not in that next Irish squad, then I'd be asking questions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I think he's class. I'm sure Andy Farrell, Paul O'Connell, Simon Eastery, John Fogarty are very much aware of John Hodness and um, maybe they'll they'll he's got feedback himself. Just on the other performances, dare I say it, um, for anyone outside of Munster, John Klein has been playing outstandingly well. And uh, I saw a couple of tweets saying that John Klein could could possibly have been called into the Irish squad again. Um, I'd say he'd be a bit disappointed that he wasn't, to be fair, over Treadwell. Um, I, I, I do think that he's taken his game to another level. And now, is it a case of... That similar to the hotness, similar to the Coombs. That he's tired with the seen. brush. He's tired yeah. with the brush of the World Cup and gone in ahead yeah. of Devon Toner. And in fairness, he, I think he's improved. People were worrying about him with the, the pace and the tempo and the skill set that Munster are trying to develop. And he's he's playing very very well. Um, John Klein. So Roman Salano played well. Niall Scannell. Um, there's lots of players here who had had big games and um, obviously the centre partnership. The centre partnership is something, yeah, we need to move on to. Um, Mal- Malachi Fekatoa was was superb. Um, Anton Frisch was superb. The two of them in the centre, you were thinking, where where was Malachi, Malachi Fekatoa the, the, the first half of the season that you really wanted him? We know he has that ability. Um, since we did the podcast last week, the announcement came out that Malachi Fekatoa is leaving at the end of the season. Uh, the option to take up the next year, Munster didn't take it. They've signed Alex Nankavell. In some ways, it's disappointing when you see a player because it's in the last few weeks, probably since post Christmas, he's he's had impacts um, in Be- in Belfast, in Benetton, uh, in Toulouse, um, and now here again against um, you know against the Ospreys on Friday night. Looks superb. The offloads, the carries, the work rate, the movement, all that stuff. I was watching him with and without the ball um, the other night and uh, very impressive. So it's it's a shame really because um, maybe he's playing for a contract uh, now and maybe knew about this for a while and uh, that can happen with players as well. But um, I think I think a couple of things too though is that he's come from uh, Wasps where he hadn't played a huge amount due to a lot of injuries and probably I, I do know that the intensity of the training sessions when he came in kind of hit him like a, a, a train in terms of his ability to to be consistent in those sessions. And I think, uh, yeah, I, maybe it is a case he's paying for a contract. I also think when you look at his age profile and his injury history, albeit he's, he, he's, he's done really well to put lots of games together for Munster. When you look at what's coming yeah. in, a 23-year-old centre who's uh, starting week in, week out for the Chiefs or was, uh, it's, you know, probably a no-brainer from a Munster point of view um, get more in terms of longevity from, from him and but he was that was what we were like, he was exceptional the other night his work rate it's his ability to be on the same page as Anton Frisch I think Anton Frisch has been a signing of the season season because he's been he think he's been incredible every time he's played and I I do think that um they seem to now be on the same wavelength in terms of what they're going to do. And you could see that on both their tries. They both had a huge part of it. Um, so, 
yeah, look, it is disappointing from a Munster point of view, but there's still a lot of rugby to be played. And if that they're going to remain like that, they're only going to get bigger, get better, and get get stronger together. They're, that cohesion is only going to get better and stronger. Then Munster can get a huge amount out of the two of them over the next few weeks. Yeah, let's hope that Malachi Fekitoa finishes the season strong and continues because I think he'll be really important for Munster. Um, it's an area where they're they're a little bit short. Um, Chris Farrell obviously hasn't been there all season and he's been a loss to them. Um, Alex Nankivell coming in, he's twenty six. Um, I thought uh, I thought he was I thought he was much younger, but he's actually twenty six. But he's still young enough when he's. I thought he was twenty three. No, he's twenty six. Um, he was born in October 1996 and he plays for he, he plays for the Chiefs. I think he's done really I, he looks very good player. He's six foot two and just on 15 and a half, 16 stone. So he's actually a big enough um guy. I think he's physical, he's very skillful. He's five Maori All Blacks caps, and he's two caps for and the All Blacks 15, which was that was that November tour they yeah. went on. He came off the also, bench against Ireland and played against England as well. I'm I'm pretty sure John Ryan will be in his ear talking to him now over the next few weeks about Munster, next few months and Munster, what it is. And do you know what I mean? Because they're both going back together for next season. So that could be huge as well for Munster in terms of helping to bed him in. It's not start from scratch. He actually knows somebody. Well, they've obviously done the research monster here in this, in um, and sometimes it's not just the player; it's the it's the temperament and and uh, um, the type of player that fits what they want to try and do. So, look, I looked at him online. I'm sure lots of monster fans have have checked on, online about this guy as well, and he looks strong, powerful, skillful. But so let's hope he comes, hits the ground running, and has a has a strong start for monster. Um, a little bit of change there. Um, the news came out yesterday from Peter Manny signed a new contract. Obviously, we'll move on to some Irish stuff now. Munster, just to finish on Munster, um, they play the Scarlets on Friday week in Cork. Um, so, again, another very, very important uh, fixture for them. And then after that, Glasgow away to the Sharks and the Stormers then in South Africa. So, four games left and... It's uh, in the URC, um, 42 points. Do you think they'll make the playoffs and make the... Well, I, I tell you, a few weeks ago, I would have taken any... Um, they could end up getting a hook. Position, position in the top eight, any position in the top eight, because it was looking kind of unlikely and a, and a, and a tough one, uh, a tough road for them. Um, I think the two away results in Edinburgh and Ulster were kind of bonus wins. Even on any given season, they were going to be tricky games to win. Yeah. So I think that they they made up for a couple of the the early season losses and maybe the loss to Leinster. Um, so it's four games left, two at home, two away. Um, it's looking better, but there's a it's fairly congested from probably eight up to third, really. So um, they're in a better place. Um, Incredibly busy couple of weeks, and we'll obviously cover more on the the build up to the Scarlets game next week. Uh, just on Peter Mann, he signed a new contract, new uh, national contract. Um, what's your take on that? I think he's probably two, 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 three seasons ago, people were writing him off. Um, his form wasn't great. Um, there was a lot of change around the players, and he seemed to 
get a surge in 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 the levels he he he's brought um a, a bit like Johnny Sexton um in a sense that I mean that that you know since the last world cup the disappointment of 2019 there was lots of calls for changes and certain players were under massive pressure but I think in the last 2 years Peter Romani has uh, taken his game to a very very high consistent level he obviously has a huge amount of experience um He's captaincy material and he's a real leader in this group. I think Jack Conan obviously was ahead of him maybe last year and he's fought his way back in to start for Ireland. It was brilliant in New Zealand. Um, so I think it's probably on the, on the basis of what we've seen from Peter O'Mahony, it's, it's, um, it's deserving. So he's going to have a national contract for another season until 2024. Yeah, I think he's incredible. Uh, I think for a player, I'm, I, I'm not sure I've seen a player being questioned so much by outside uh, outside noise in relation to his ability. I think you look back at even before the Lions tour, you know, that game against England, he wasn't due to start. So he picked up an injury, pretty sure in the... Jamie Heaslip that, did. And Jamie he, Heaslip. That, that's that was how far in 2017, back he, yeah. That's how far back he go, it goes. And then he gets on the Lions tour, captains the first, and then we don't really see him after that and to have the ability then to bounce back again. And it's that resilience, that hardness, that edge um, that I think he brings that I think makes him A, so popular to be a teammate, but also makes him such a such good quality player. And I just think um, he just turns up time and time again when people question him. And, you know, for from a monster point of view, it's he does so much unseen work. And I just think his ability to keep going. But... He came in to present our jerseys during Six Nations last year to the girls and he blew me away by understanding, you know, he spoke about how he has changed from the time that he started playing. He was very, you know, hard-nosed, probably um, not as patient, uh, no time for people that weren't going to play rugby for Ireland in terms of the club stuff. And then he goes into a, an environment like Andy Farrell's and he understands that everybody has a position and everybody has a role. And even when he wasn't starting under Andy Farrell, he felt that he was really important in that group and he felt that his job was to bring young players along. And and it was almost a different side of him that I could relate to from a point of view of, of being very similar in personality. So we we've seen the fact that he has bought in so much to even when he wasn't playing and had Rowan's coming off the bench that he understood that and now it's been paid back in spades because he's such an integral part to Andy Farrell's um, back row so I'm delighted for him delighted for his family his dad's pretty sound they used to work with him so uh, yeah it's uh, he's uh, it's, it's it's great I think him. I think there's some um, there's some people um, he's a different player than Caelan Doris and Josh van der Fleer he's not going to be a ball carrier it was never uh, the biggest strength in Peter's game. He's obviously well able to carry, but um, sometimes his ball carrying stats or tackle stats are low. Um, he's affecting his big moments that he can get in a game. And I think he's consistently been really good for the last two seasons. And he knows probably had a dip after that World Cup and not just a dip with Ireland, but a dip with Munster probably too. And I think he's he's been very, very consistent. And you don't win 91 caps for Ireland um, and being an average player. So he's been incredibly uh, consistent, resilient leader for Ireland. And uh, I think it's just rewards. He's The challenge now is he's got to, you know, pl- keep that level going because um, 
that is the challenge with all these young back rows coming through. And, He's got to keep evolving. Yeah, he has, yeah. And I think, you know, Munster, the Munster setup will obviously help as well. There seems to be a bit of a feel-good factor back there and they seem to be happy. But, um, yeah, so it's good news for him and uh, I think it's good news for Ireland Munster. Just finally, Ireland-Italy, Italy-Ireland on Saturday. Um, do you see many changes for Andy Farrell? And uh, are Italy, what kind of a threat and danger are Italy on Saturday? Yeah, I, I don't see a huge amount of changes. I think uh, it's... So Ty, Ty Byrne is out. So who plays instead of Ty Byrne? Is it, uh, and, Jay, and Joe McCarthy is gone. So um, does Ian Henderson come into the team and Ryan Baird? They're the most obvious kind of... Uh, Ryan, Ryan Baird for me. Ryan comes, Baird into comes into the team. Me. Yeah. Okay. You know, that won't be a popular decision. I just think he's athletically unbelievable. I think he's been playing brilliant rugby before he came in to this, you know, and uh, unlucky, I think, not to it's be probably a great mix. game for him to try him and start him with yeah. James Ryan and 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 um, like. he just offers something different than Ian Henderson and I think that that's Ireland's got to be brave there. I think uh, Johnny Sexton probably won't play. I'd imagine if he's picked up a groin injury, <clears throat> they won't risk it. Uh, so I'd imagine be Ross Byrne and Jack Crowley. Other than that, uh, I'd be really surprised. If there's many many more changes. Uh, I think uh, maybe Ron Kelleher might get a start. Dan Sheehan on the bench um, but other than that uh, no I think Italy are dangerous they're really well coached they have this ability to to um, to play off the cup a bit, a bit like when we saw Benetton on Teresa or Benetton on like, a couple of weeks ago against Munster they have this really good ability to play open and I think they have one of the best wingers slash fullback backs in the competition in Capuzzi and I, I just think that they, they 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 look like they're full of belief. They're they're a totally different sides than what we would have associated with Italy, Italy three, four, five years ago. And uh, so I th- I do think that they they can pose a lot of a lot of questions to, to Ireland. That the biggest weakness for me is their ten. I think with Garbisi been missing. Yeah, he's um, going to be back possibly this week. Garbisi oh, played he? at the weekend. Yeah, it's just, oh, that's good news for them. That's good news for yeah. them. Yeah, I'm probably the same. I don't see many changes. I think some people would think, oh, make wholesale changes, um, but it's too risky. I think. Um, I think um, there won't be wholesale changes, and there probably shouldn't be. Um, it's a good opportunity for Ross Bourne, I think, to start a game and get a, a real good feel for being back in an Irish squad. We've seen the 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 impact off the bench and what he did in November against Australia, obviously. And I think the last game in the second half against France, he was very good. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how he goes and starts and controls the game because... One thing you'll get is uh, a fair bit of passion and, and aggression and, and intensity um, from the Italians. You've got to be patient. You can't, like Ireland are a very good side at the moment and can score lots of tries, but they've got to do the fundamentals really well. So I think um, the, the Irish coaches will be mindful of that. Um, there'll be no Gibson Park, I think, back, no Furlong, um, no Robbie Henshaw, which is a pity. I'd love to have seen them back and be available and have a match or two under the belt for for the run-in with Scotland and England. But it's a tricky game, but you would imagine that Ireland will be strong enough to get through. Uh, but anyway, an interesting weekend. I'm off to Cardiff to do uh, Wales-England. Let's hope there's a game. Yeah, off for that all that stuff that's going on in Wales, which is very disappointing, and I feel for the players, you know, waiting and not understanding and knowing. 
well, what their where their futures lie. So hopefully we have a game against Wales and England on Saturday um, in the Six Nations. So it'll be an interesting weekend. Um, so that's it. That's uh, that's the end of the the podcast. It's uh, we surely covered everything we could in the monster victory. Um, it was impressive. It was good, and it's a much better positive kind of scenario than we had at the end of the season. So it's uh, our, at the start of the season, which was that was the it was draining for a good few weeks there to start. But they're going better. I don't think we're going to win trophies, Neve, but. They're in a much better place. So that's it for episode 59. And uh, we look forward to chatting to you next week. And um, thanks again. Thanks, Neil. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. <laughs>